This is Werewolf the Podcast, a podcast about the role-playing game, Werewolf the Apocalypse. D20 Radio, your gamers www.d20radio.com Have you heard of high-level games? If you're a content creator looking to make your dream a reality, you need high-level games. High-level games does layout, editing, and development support such as Kickstarter and more. Even if you're not a creator and just want to enhance your game with exciting new supplements, go to highlevelgames.ca and check out Dark New England for V20. High-level games. We want to help you level up your role-playing game. Highlevelgames.ca Welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. Uh, today we're having a special conversation with a special guest, and we're going to be talking about something that I know is a fan favorite uh, sort of element of Werewolf the Apocalypse. And so today we are joined by Rich Thomas. Rich, how are you doing today? Doing great, Josh. Good to, good to talk to you again. Absolutely. I'm happy to have you here. Um, so today we're talking about glyphs which if there is a single person who is an expert on the glyphs in the world, it's probably rich. Uh, so now that I put you on the spot, how does that make you feel to know that you are the expert on glyphs? Uh, you know, there could possibly be other people out there, uh, fans and uh, maybe Ian Watson. Uh, who, True. Ian who is a font of knowledge. So maybe he knows a, bit, a few very things. Very into it. And, uh, and you know, and I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure that I remember everything about the glyphs, but we'll 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 work our way through it. And if I if I start you know flailing around verbally, just to, to just just give me a reminder of what the heck we were talking about. I'll try to reel you in if we have to, but <laughs> yeah. uh, you know the the glyphs as a uh, concept have been around pretty much since the beginning with Werewolf. They were elements that uh, that existed, I, I think, in that first um, the core book where you at least had some of the basic glyph ideas of some of the uh, the tribes and things like that. Is that right, or did they? Did you get started on those a little bit after uh, the the book got started? Um, well, I think if you look uh, in the first edition, uh, in the sketches in the back, Josh Timbrook was fooling around with all kinds of, of markings because I mean, one of the things that they were pushing a lot, you know, was, you know, we want, we want werewolves to, uh, to scar themselves. Um, I think, I think the urban primitive, I'm just putting that in air quotes, um, the kind of a thing was, was happening uh, in fashion at the time. And so there's a lot of like, what can you, what can you do to, to bring that uh, together on, on a visual level? And I've always been, a proponent of doing giving some sort of individual um, symbol of some kind to the to the, the various you know what, you know what we we call now splats but the the the, the classes the you know whatever we whatever we want to say the, or whatever we yeah the fact great it's a great non used in any of our stuff term right, yeah, right. just factions yes nice covers everything. Um, and so I've always been thinking that I think I don't remember the time frame or whether we started knocking those together for werewolf one before we started doing the clan symbols or if that, or if the clan symbols, in the, it was, a, it was a nutty time. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, especially werewolf because I, I came into the company sort of and got it's like hello fellas and they you know just picture people throwing huge bales of paper and stuff i mean this is werewolf make some some we hired like one guy but he's disappeared and we got another and we have this these this amount of art so far and, and what can you do with it and i said okay <laughs> josh and i are going to sit down and we're going to take a look at what we want to really do with this and it may even have been at the same thing where, where he said you know i really want to draw these things and i'd love to do a whole combat scene uh, uh, in fact, I like to do a sequence. I said, well, I'm seeing this as something that is more, werewolf is more connected to comic books and, and sort of sequential things for movement, energy, you know, just everything. Um, so like, yeah, let's do a, let's do a whole sequence where you just, and he's like, okay, I'll just do like a couple. And of course that eventually turned into the, the whole chapter where every single page he had an illustration, the infamous flip book of doom. And so at the same time, we're going, you know, what do we do with creating a, a different kind of, we can't put a little flower up like a, like, like the Toreador. What, what would do the werewolves do? And that's uh, looking at the, the sort of the marks that Josh had put down and stuff. I said, what if that's how they communicate? There's also some pheromone releases at the same time. They're not, it's not an alphabet. It's not just symbols. It's, it's more concepts that they're showing. You know, that's what they're trying to get across with this, this little, uh, marking as possible because you know they're not they're, our conception of the very early stages where this language would have developed where these markings would have developed is pretty much like not like they're going to sit down with their scroll of papyrus and a big pen right, and right, just, right. now we shall create this that's well no we're going to use hieroglyphs into language earlier than that and if you go earlier than that, where would they have put those symbols? Well, they would have put them on tree trunks. They would have put them scraped into rocks, you know, uh, even painted, you know, with their fingers in caves. I mean, like that basic, move it all the way back through time. And so that's where we, uh, uh, I think you mentioned uh, way back in the day, I think we already had this conversation about how I, uh, I taped the, um, the markers sharpies to hands. my fingers yeah. and then mm -hmm. went through the warehouse and tried to what kind of marks happens when you have claws on the ends of your fingers and you're hitting trees and you're hitting rocks uh, and, uh, and, and cave walls and stuff. And that's looking at the marks that, that showed up with the Sharpies on the, on the uh, many, many, many uh, cardboard boxes that I, I didn't ruin them because, you know, right. They, you weren't they had no other purpose than to be there filled with books. And it didn't stop that purpose uh, because I had, I had Sharpie swaths of, you know, slashes and things all through because I, I didn't hit them hard enough just to break through right um so i think that it was about the same time i know that the very first uh the very first uh, uh supplement uh which was uh oh man just looking at it rights no it was uh um, rights of passage rights of passage there we go yeah. yeah and uh and already they were you know it was already being used as the frontispiece would have that that thing in there so i think we we're you know i think we got it into the first book but if we didn't the very first supplement we were already rolling with it and and that was uh that was kind of the, the start for it um thinking that every book we did we want to have continuity each time we publish something um josh did the front piece art uh, illustrations on black for vampire for all the supplements and uh, and this was this was another what could we do with well, some sort of ripped up torn rough edge you know just kind of keeping that feeling of energy thing and this a, a mark somehow and 
So every single supplement, we did another one of these until it was starting to, you know, go, hey, we've got, there's, there's obviously something going on here. People are responding to it. That's pretty, that, that's pretty cool. Um, that's That was really the, the, the start and how we continued through. And I think we just kind of elaborated on it from then. So that, you know, is an interesting way to kind of get started. You almost like a, a boiled up from this general idea that became something kind of bigger and, and more expansive. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you started kind of expanding it out into this may get into, you know, silver record talk, it may be a little bit before that, but when you started uh. expanding it out into kind of an idea of uh, this uh, fully sensory sort of writing system, did you, did you think, do you think that started early or do you think you kind of came into that as you were building it up and kind of realizing that it was going to be a thing? No, that was, I mean, the, the idea that this was, uh, that this was how this thing worked, how it works um, was from the beginning. That was, that was sort of what, what the basis of all that was. And even, even the tribe symbols, I mean, they, they're, they, they're supposed to have a, a an emotional component to them. Uh, it's not just, uh, look at that object that's being, you know, stylized to be this thing. It is uh, the way that the marks go down, the marks that are chosen to to rep- represent that tribe, I think, are, are, you know, significant. And so what that then goes forth to, to, to mean on a bigger, like, as you expand that out, you know, you do more of them, um, whether it's because you need, we need to do one for each furnace piece or because we start doing little bits where um, something from the litany is put in there and we show what the, what, what the, the, the werewolf lettering for that would be. Um, it, that kind of happened more haphazardly, but the actual meaning behind it and how it works, the idea that it's, you know, like I say, it's not a, it's not a, an alphabet. It's not a, a syllable thing. The markings um, aren't pure symbols because they have, you know, they, 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 they are actually malleable depending on what other markings you put with them. Right. So, you know, if uh, sunrise, sunset, two separate things, although they're based on, you know, some form of sun symbol, uh, just how you how you use it. That leads me into the first listener question. We've got a couple of Yay! questions from our uh, uh, Patreon uh, Discord folks, and um, one of them I think was a really good question, um, and it's going to be really you know in the weeds, but I think it's helpful to kind of lead off uh, from what you were just talking about. Is there are these common shapes and structures in some glyphs like? There appears to be a, a particle or segment that might indicate movement or like a person or mm-hmm. you just mentioned like the sun or the moon. Um, Absolutely. Can you kind of tell us a little bit of how those developed? Like what uh, what what idea made you think like this kernel of a, of a part is going to mean movement or a person or whatever? Well, it's mostly does it feel that way when you see the when you see the shape? Um, it's you know, does it define uh, a certain movement or a certain you know, kineticism of, of, of how this thing, and it could be the reverse. It could be, does this define something that's very static and very still? Um, and some of it was gut level creation of the tribe symbols. Then we could go back to them and say, well, like, like the, uh, the glass walkers, which is clearly, you know, representational of a building. And a high one, like multiple story building is the way that it goes up there. So each time we did it, if we went back in time, 
it would be it's shorter each time <laughs> so by the time you're looking at uh like some of the stuff in the litany or some of the stuff in the silver record uh anytime we talk about a dwelling or an abode or something like that it's just one part of the bigger glass walker symbol uh with the little whoop inside of it, it, it indicating that it's, that it's something that uh something's in there well what's in there well something that is uh, uh it's just a little representation but it indicates that this isn't a solid thing. This is it's something where something is inside of something else, an abode, and eventually, you know, a, a skyscraper. You know, if you really come up that's to cool. so that that's kind of how that 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 stuff goes together. Yeah, it's cool how they they are designed, uh, and as this is how everyone that I've talked to about it seems to understand it, and it seems to be what you're saying too is that. They're designed to build on each other. Like in, oh, yeah. in telling a story, there's the the core kind of symbols that have a, 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 a specific elements, and then they build on one another to tell a singular story in just a single glyph. Right, and I think uh, like um, I mean, you look at um, some of the early languages, like the the Mesoamerican languages, or even the hieroglyphs, where if you put this with this and this, it it means things because that's a had a, that's a, a ear of corn. That's a you know a, a bird's beak, and that's um, fire. Mm -hmm. So you know that put that together, and you create. I don't I don't know what that would be, but you know you're creating a, a new word. But right. they're the the werewolf glyphs aren't creating, trying to create a new word. They're creating concepts, feelings um, more than you know more than let's assemble this new word. So. It is possible that in context, the same three things could mean two very different things or three very different things because of how it is put on there. And we also sit back at, you know, in the day, this is some, not something obviously we can replicate in publishing without getting into some really weird, you know, stinko vision uh, printing or something, mm -hmm. but that werewolves would also, they put their own scent onto it in a variety of ways, as you might imagine, that a wolf or a dog would be capable of putting scent on. And uh, and so some of that would have meaning as well. And, you know, uh, whether it's a, an abode, but don't ever go there. So it's like, you know, get a little of your own blood and get it on there. So whoever's reading it, seeing it, they smell it because, you know, obviously they're the guru and whoa hey no that's not a good house at all i'm not going there so i think uh, i i i know i said this already but i really find the three-dimensionality or the multi-sensory element to be really particularly helpful in storytelling yeah um because when you are explaining a uh, a glyph uh, and what it means to uh, a group of players you can talk about all of those elements and i think the more folks do that and say like, you know, this smells of this, this looks like this, and this, this maybe creates a sound like this when you look at it, like it allows you to do really deep storytelling, I think, really quickly with that sort of element. So I'm taking yeah, that. I, I, it, it, I think it gives you the leeway as a, you know, it's not just what the player necessarily can read on the page if you hold the thing up or, you know, however you're playing. It's also what else you're, you're 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 suggesting to them so that the uh, like you say you're telling more of a story than you are just providing information um, yeah. you know and this this wall is five foot thick you know okay great this wall's five foot thick versus 
you you see that there's small bones that are laced inside of the whole thing. What could that possibly mean? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And from a, from such a, a rich storytelling culture that Garu culture is it, right. It means you can quickly tell a, a, a deep story in a couple of glyphs. If you have them, you know, nested mm-hmm. the correct way where you're telling kind of a, a big story and then you have yeah. all of those extrasensory elements. Exactly. I mean, if, if, if you're one of, if you're a non-player character or player character or whatever, but if, if you're using that to, to, do a bigger thing and, and a real more of an interpretive thing. Uh, I could imagine what some of what some of the uh, the various abilities might do um, while everyone's around the fire, as Bill Bridges likes to always imagine it. Everyone's yeah. around a fire. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely seems like around the fire, particularly at a move mm-hmm. or something like that, was a very a classic werewolf. Oh, absolutely. Sort of theme. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So I'm going to go in a different direction with this question. You know, are we going to see any potential new glyphs in apocalyptic record or anything like that? Are you back on the the wagon for doing anything like that? <laughs> I, I was off the wagon. Um, <laughs> every time I get out, they pull me back in. Now, um, the uh, uh, There's a possibility. Uh, uh, Mike Cheney and I have, have talked about it a little bit that we could get think it's really going to be available time versus you know at this point because of how weird getting books out to people is um a lot of it's out of outside of our control but just I, I know if, you know i know you at I least on occasion well. have yeah. read the blog and and my my various uh, little bits of trying to give people information about uh, just how absolutely crazy the printing business is so when we're we're promised you know kickstarter books and things like that and 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 then covid just dashed our our and we were getting to the point where we're like yeah this is pretty good i think we can pull back on how long we we estimate on the kickstarters because it's really everything's just clicking right now and everything's happening and then uh boom no actually we won't, we won't be able to print any of those things for six months what um it's so it's wild in that sense of you know we don't want to take it even longer than we have to and if uh, if it comes down to hey this thing has to come out i mean probably there'll be some form of using the older ones together for at least the title page and for probably, you know, uh, if we're going to stamp anything on the front or anything like that, we'll do a, we'll do a, uh, an interpretation, uh, more new ones inside. That's going to be, is it possible? Is this, you know, the, the, do the moons align the proper way? Right? Sure. Sure. That's a fair answer. And I, I, I am a, uh, what would be the right word, a pious reader of the Monday meeting notes. So I'm well aware of the, uh, the backlog of, of problems that, that COVID and the printing uh, crisis throughout the world has caused. Um, and I uh, applaud Onyx Path at being willing to say this is going to take a while for a book to come out because I think it provides an opportunity to do a Scotty situation where you're like, hey, we're, o- we're over estimating so that we can deliver things earlier than we expect to people. And I think that's, you know, even with all the challenges that's still happening with most books. And I think that's uh, a fantastic thing to see. So um, that was definitely a hard one lesson um, mm-hmm. with doing reasonable ex- uh, uh, estimates and, uh, and they, they, they rapidly turned unreasonable deliveries. Um, and then, so kept expanding out the estimate, uh, particularly since Kickstarter requires it. Um, and 
like I say, we were starting to. We had, I think one of Eddie, I think one of the Pugmire books came out like almost a year earlier mm-hmm. than what we had estimated with the Kickstarter. And so, like, that's where we want to be. We're and, and uh, Mike Cheney did a Herculean job of getting these books done, getting them ready so that we could start doing it. Bam, 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 bam. And like I said, then COVID hit. Um, it was it was internally a bunch of our people, obviously, during that time period, had a lot of things on on their plates, a lot of things that were concerning them. And then when it hit the printing, I just, I couldn't believe it because we work, I believe we work with the, the biggest printer in Canada. And when they start talking about, oh, like we just, we just went through our back stock of paper, like yeah. all of it for the year. And it's, February. Right. Right. And, <laughs> what? And what, and in those situations, you know, as a publisher, what can you do? You know, it's, it's one of those yeah. situations where it's like, Hey, this, I would love for this to be in my control. And sadly, it's one of those situations. That's just really, really not. And, and uh, you know, one of the reasons we got hammered because so many people who had been uh, printing overseas kept it to North America and, one of the places they went was our printer, right? So, right. like, all of a sudden, they've got too much work coming at them, not enough people to do it, and, and they're having trouble getting paper and ink and, and, and press time. And it's just like, well, man, you know, it, it's just a, a bad confluence of events. Um, sure. Sure. And, uh, I mean, I feel for everybody who wants their, wants their thing, but, you know, that's, that's why we do the, the uh, uh, text for, for backers, so everybody has the, the text at the state that we are at for that. Um, and of course, the, the PDFs and the print on demands the versions of them come out too. Um, some cases, well before we could actually get the Kickstarter stuff out because that's, that's where the pain point is right now. Right. That's fair. Um, so let's go back a bit and let's talk about the silver record. This is a book that's like 25 years old at this point, so I will uh, yeah. I will accept if you don't remember every detail of of its production. But um, the idea behind it is that you're expanding out the glyphs from just this uh, this idea that you had been using in books prior to that, and then suddenly you're creating something where you're explaining the system, as it were, to everyone else. Can you? Tell us a little bit about that process. I think we had a couple of longer form uses of the glyphs before Silver Record. Um, I don't remember exactly which books had those in them, um, but I'm pretty sure there was because that was one of the things. I want to say it was Ethan who came up with the, who came up with the let's do this uh, really involved um, all glyph, you know, uh, uh, thing um based on how we had done that previously and uh, i don't i don't know if i cried at first <laughs> or or went in in my usual way too enthusiastic this is great we can do this and then realized i had to do it all myself uh, and so because the thing about that is is like um while we would reuse some of the things um, and, and could cut them apart in, in the layout programs and Photoshop and stuff like that. By and large, nine, I would say 90% of them were redrawn every time that we oh wow we sat down. Um, there were a couple like you know real ones that we would just used all over the place. Uh, probably Apocalypse, you know, would be a bit, would be a big one. Um, Luna, Luna was all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for like silver record 
those were drawn out because they were complicated and because they were a variety of glyphs connecting and relating to each other. I had to draw those all out. Um, so I was really interpreting the poetry of the writing and say, well, what would be the kind of glyph that would go with this and how would that combine that? And how do I say this thing? They're trying to say this in, in the text. How do I say that with this series of glyphs, this kind of visual? And so it was, it was, a, it was, it was a huge project. Um, I think I still have those, um, those sheets, the, um, what are they? Um, but I think I still have those with all of the, the, the silver record things just drawn out. And it's mostly I mean, <laughs> colored in with Sharpie, uh, yeah. <laughs> but mostly uh, in a pen with uh, colored in with Sharpie. Um, made all rough as I drew it out. So. That's cool. I, you know, I think um, my co-host, Carrie, also um, is an artist and I was hoping she could be on to interview with us today, but sadly she is at a convention and so doing the convention thing, but um, she has been doing glyphs uh, on commission for people that are mm -hmm. like, Hey, can you make a, a glyph for me of like where flamingos, for example, I don't know if I should be putting out that, that out there that those are going to exist, but um, taking the ideas that you created in the silver record and it kind of moving uh, on from mm -hmm. them, like, like expanding on them. And I think, there are a lot of people in the community that are doing that, that are taking the general ideas that you built in the silver record and, and in other places before that and saying, what other stories can we tell with these things? Right. And I'm going to say thank you for doing that work <laughs> <laughs> on behalf of everyone, because it's, it's a good baseline for them to start building and creating um, yeah. these other ideas from them. Well, I mean, you know, and, that, and that's, that's how writing and language works. I mean, in, in, in our in the real world, right? I mean, people take the ideas and they run with them and do do different things. Um, uh, I think, you know, there's probably some sort of schism in guru society of the people who only will not allow new glyphs to be created, right? You can only combine the old ones and then others that create new ones and, and they go, what does that even mean? That's right. nothing to me. You know, um, but you know, I, I think that's the way that, you know, that these things sort of develop. Do you want it to remain a static, almost a, uh, oh, a litany, right? Like a, this is, you say this the same way every single time. You smell this the same way every single time. Or is it something that can, you, you can use for other purposes and expand on and grow with um, as new generations uh, of guru come into it and, uh, and, and bring it back to the real world as new artists and creators come into it and say, Hey, we could do some stuff with that. I think that's really a fascinating storytelling opportunity there that I hadn't thought of before that creating, th there are all these schisms in the Garu nation, but that's creating right. one between the youth and the elders about writing is like a really clever one that I hadn't thought of before. So uh, folks that want to incorporate that in your stories, take that idea, run with it. Tell us how you uh, do so, because that's a neat idea. Yeah, well, I mean, you just, uh, just a yeah, you know, especially I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that some of the more modern uh, guru, you know, there are class workers and such uh, would have programs for it, you know, uh, where, you know, we're not we're not scraping on, on a screen with our finger unless you know they they wanted to make it that way, like a like a, a Wacom pad or something, but just generally like these things would recombine in a program. 
That's a neat idea. Like the idea of, of taking something like algorithmically designed to and be like, you know, have a speech to text program as a glass walker that takes everything you're saying mm-hmm. and makes glyphs out of it. Um, I'm going to steal that idea too and, and incorporate I mean, that yeah. in my game. Yeah, because they, they would have, I mean, this whole point of the silver record, it's, it is an actual thing that exists. So they would have it. They would have what the words were translated to mean and they would have what the what the glyphs are um, and would you know, retrofit it, go backwards from that to that and be able to say, okay, so then this symbol, pull it out. That means this, 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 and this in different places throughout the the, the silver, if it's connected to these things. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's someone out there who could program that uh, as an app even even now. Right. Like they, they don't need the, uh, the extra... Uh, connections to the weaver or whatever else <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i bet someone could do that if someone does want to create a glyph program that does these sorts of things for us let let us know that would be cool uh it would be a yeah. cool thing to see out there um would you say like again this is going back a ways but would you say there were there's anything that you didn't include in the silver record that you have in like um, stuff that you that you came up with and were like, I don't think this is going to work. I'm not going to include that. Any like left on the cutting floor stuff, maybe. I, I got to say, thinking about it, you know, think of it more as, a, as like a marathon, right? Like you're, sure. I'm, I'm running five miles. And, it could, and and the question is, did you take a detour at any point? Like, or, or was there a place you wanted to run up that road away from the marathon? No, I wanted to get, <laughs> I wanted to get it finished. It was a, you know, it was a finite amount of, of words, um, and and I think we did it. You know, going back, going into it and, and and reviewing it, getting the meaning. You know, I mean, I would go back to Ethan and go, look, are they trying to say this or this here? You know, that kind of stuff. I think it was Ethan. I think Ethan Skimp was the developer on that book. I, that sounds right. I'd have to go back and look. Only but... he would hurt me so much to make <laughs> me do that much. No, Ethan, Ethan's wonderful. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but there really, so there really wasn't because part of it, of course, was that I was building on stuff. Um, there wasn't a, 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 a glyph somewhere out there that I had come up with and never used. Everything sure. was based off of what do we need to do with it right now? Sure. So there wasn't like a, a master book of glyphs and there's still 17 of them that have never been seen uh, if if it was needed for a project, that's how it was created. Got it. I sat, yeah. I sat down and drew it. I know the production timelines in, in the White Wolf days were very quick. So you were usually not having a lot of time to do extra stuff and then more being like, what do I need to do? Do it now and get it on the page. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all a usage thing. Like it's not, um, if I had like been in the, in the position of where I was writing secret letters to friends in, in, in glyphs that I might've developed a bunch that never showed up in the books, but it was, you know, it was part of making this world seem uh, to resonate and, and have a depth to it uh, beyond just what we're saying, you know, in, in the text words, you know, it's, it's a touching people in a, uh, in a different way, uh, stirring, you know, their imaginations in a different way, I think. Sure. So, I want to ask a controversial question, or at least one that, um, you know, uh, there why didn't we use real on. silver in the book? <laughs> yeah, well, why not? Uh, um, it would have burned them. Well, that could be a problem. Um, it's about the, the Geta Fenris glyph in particular. Um, there are some folks that have, that, have, that have looked at it and have, have seen 
or uh, understood it to have included uh, a swastika imagery and I want to know if you ha- if that was if that was an intentional choice if, or if it's something that is kind of um, read into what the glyph actually was intended to mean. I am so tempted to give you the uh, the sound bite that then can make everybody go crazy, go nuts, right? Like, um, uh, but no, that's not how I how I like to do things. So, um, the glyph from the information we had about. The, the tribe at the time, um, Nordic warriors was basically the, the take. Um, you could go Viking, but we didn't really want to just limit it to that culture. Um, I think right around that time, there was a, a game called Rus, R-U-S, okay. um, which was right, which, which was looking at the, at the uh, civilizations that would eventually be Russia, and of course they had a lot of they had a lot of conflict with uh, with the the, uh, the Norse people coming down through the rivers and stuff, um, and so there was an awareness of that kind of uh, that there's a, a larger cultural thing to just freaking Vikings, um, but you know you call a, a, a tribe get a Fenris, you yeah, know, you know evoke the Viking yeah. idea, yeah, yeah, for sure. So for me it was a warrior culture, and I if you look, it's. Uh, it's an axe or a hammer with a back spike done up in such a way again to create movement and energy to it you know it i don't think the back spike is bends back on itself or does anything in a in a, it in a no. any yeah. kind of right angle that you would want to that you would say like oh well that's a that's a swastika prestige now once we did it it's out there it's going on somebody brings it up I mean, oh, well, that's probably it was a swastika, I guess. Right. No. Why would we do that? (laughs) Right. Like, that's not what that's about. Um, But I also said, you know, hey, the guru and these tribe symbols, they existed before 1993. Right. Right. Like they were all the way back in 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 whatever versions in prehistory. Uh, And I would imagine that the get would be one of the ones that was more holding to this this you know kind of keeping the symbol pretty consistent i said how do we know that the freaking nazis didn't see something like that and that was another reason for coming up with the swastika you know they liked like they did they stole and shit on a whole bunch of, of, of imagery and symbolism uh uh and, and tainted it you know um but this yeah. is before there were nazis like this sure. is a lot earlier than that um as a real world or not a real world i'm sorry as a fake world <laughs> a guru world world of darkness way to look at that whole thing but no we didn't didn't want to do anything like that i mean we had enough trouble where we find out that uh, some of the uh, books that we had done with art that was totally fine in the u.s couldn't be couldn't be imported into germany because there was historical depictions of uh, of the swastika because it was you know something about something happened in World War II. I think in one of the mage books was the first time we ran into it. Yeah, and you know, crap. Like we didn't even know that was a thing until that happened. You know, because in the U.S. at the time, uh, it was historical. Right. You know, it was it was a lot. There it was there were people that were recognized as being more thinking in that direction. But, uh, but we definitely didn't have uh, uh, a lot of 
so yeah uh and even then i mean that was just not something that we uh we were aspiring to in any way unless there was a direct connection like sure um, and and there were there were times in, in the historical days where you're talking about a historical perspective and the the you know germany comes up nazis come up you know that's yeah. understandable to kind of have that be uh, a historical element of the game, particularly with the, the Fenrir. It makes sense that they had um, some of, this is me talking about some of my like frustrations points. It makes sense that they were trying to rid uh, their tribe of any of those elements that were uh, enamored with any of those uh, mm -hmm. issues. And the tribe, you know, even in that first tribe book was trying to get rid of them. And I think anyone that sees a, a justification or a um, there's a word I'm looking for, like a, um, uh, a dog support, whistle, a dog whistle. <laughs> like that, that was not the intent. It was, um, it was intentionally trying to, to move away from that sort of thing. So um, yeah. Okay. That's good to get some clarification about the, yeah. the point. I mean, and being a hammer makes a lot of sense, honestly. Uh, there's things, I mean, you know, there's people who say, oh, look at that bone gnaw. It looks like they're gnawing on a bone. I'm like, yeah, you got that. But also, <laughs> I was do I was making them like a cockroach. Mm -hmm. Like, if you look at the thing, it kind of looks like a cockroach. Uh, you know, symbols, by their very nature, have interpretations. And uh, and so I could I could see I could see why it would bother people if they, they thought oh no that's too close, too close now I can't unsee it you know right yeah, like yeah. Uh, um, I could totally I could totally get why people would 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 uh, have issues with it but that was not ever the intent like I say I uh, I I actually I was a little concerned because I thought it, would, it looked too much like an axe head because you know too many years of playing D and D and stuff I mean you know you kind of <laughs> Mm -hmm. have that in your head that's 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 kind of a, a, a an act shape and i was like eh, if we could get a little a little more sim a little more symbolic about it but there's only so far you can go and i guess you know you go too far and you start drifting into other symbols you don't want so let's move in a different direction and talk about different glyphs real quick um did you create the Bastet glyphs as well, or was that someone else's work that that created those more, um, you know, cat claw design sort of symbols? I um, I don't know when at which point it was that they were they were done up by other people, but the initial design for the for the uh, for the Bastet or, or any of the you know any of the, the catty. Uh, um, things uh, I at least started, yeah, because I was doing it as a, I was doing it as a sort of a reaction to what the werewolves would be doing, uh, where we saw them doing that. Like I said in the early days, thinking about they do it on the run, they'd be energy, power, uh, bang at the moon, the whole thing, and that the cats would be in a position where they could take the time to draw something nice, <laughs> you know, like just to be sitting there waiting for maybe, you know, prey to appear. Uh, and they're just sitting very still, but they're doing this little doodle, just doodle with the claw. And so that's, that was basically the, where that came from. Yeah. You definitely get the feel for that too. In the Bastet glyphs that they're like, they're more ornate uh, and they're definitely done with more intent. Right. Um, so I, I definitely think that, that like comes across on the page that like uh, that, that sense of, 
the differing emotions are occurring within the different groups as they're making them. So it makes sense. Yeah. I have, I have a, a, I think it's an accurate memory, but I, I, have a, I know that at some point Aileen Miles really ran with the the best at glyphs, um, and and I think did more or she certainly, I mean, uh, I, I'm re mostly uh, the werewolf ones I drew out by hand all the time. Those because they were so more delicate, they were more linear. Um, that could be done. Um, by anyone who had who who, who had the right, uh, I think I think you know at the time we were probably using Illustrator, but you know whatever program which could which could kind of put lines, you know, put strokes on lines and stuff like that, and uh, and I think she took the initial concepts, um, and I think I drew a few up because I, I remember a couple of them, but I think it was probably when they would appear, when they were going to be showing up in a werewolf book. So, oh, we're going to do a contrasty thing here between those two things. And then the next time, like maybe for their, um, oh, no, I forget the, 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 the breed book, the best at breed book. Thank you. The breed yeah. book. Um, that, that was, that was when we just went, you know, take these ideas, you, you do them. <laughs> you know? I'll, I'll go do another werewolf cliff over here. <laughs> That's fair. And sometimes you've got to do that when with particularly with those production schedules where it's like, hey, I've given you know the, the baseline, now take it, run with it, see right. what other things you can come up with. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, again, every every year White Wolf like when we first started out, we were expanding 300% whether that was employees, whether that was uh, sales, whether that was the amount of projects we were putting out, it was just boom, 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 boom for like I don't know, three, four, five years in a row, and then things started to you know uh, shake around and, and and change up. But we were then we were even busier, so you know it was it was, it was very much the very very prototypical startup. So this is a probably a tough question, but do you have a favorite glyph that you would say this is the one that I like the best? I don't know. Uh, I'd have to. I'd really have to pull out the silver record because what I there's there's a couple of those in there that I'm really happy with how like that the glyph becomes poetic, mm -hmm. right? If you know what you're looking at, um, along with the with the very very well written um, text that was in that book, you know the litany and and, and all the expansions on that were, were just fantastic. Um, so it was probably in the silver record. I probably have blacked it out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the the uh, sounds like it was a traumatic experience. Pressure from the, it was just it just so many cliffs. And like I said, it was it was really kind of translating, transliterating what was the written word was. How do I? Uh, how do I bring that across in a very limited form of illustration? You know, it was, it was that kind of same thinking as if I'd gotten a, uh, to do a project, uh, an illustration project and someone had sent me a, uh, here's what we want you to want you to paint. Uh, in this case, it was poetry and your, your, your entire tool set is these glyphs. So very limited. So a lot of thinking before I would sit down and then do the whole thing. Up. And, and I know there's a couple of those that I was really, really happy with how they meshed with and, and, and expanded on um, what they were doing with the written word. Yeah. I know that that book was a book that I hadn't read um, until recently to do a review on it. And it just had, had skipped my uh, books uh, on the, like the, must have the LARP sort of uh, books, right. but 
um, when I read it, I remember reading it and going, wow, this is a really useful book for story hook ideas. And the, the glyph elements just add another layer of like, you can take this and do a lot with this, either create your own glyphs, glyphs like folks, and I've mentioned this, folks right. are doing, but also the idea that you can just incorporate these elements into, you know, your game, your story. Um, so super helpful for doing that. So again, you know, thank that's very you. cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, thank you for, for saying that. Cause that's, uh, that is really cool. And it is, it's, it's one of those books, you know, I mean, that, um, depending on how you play and what you're into to doing, it may not, you know, be all that relevant. If you're playing a, I live for the moment, uh, uh, you know, uh, a room that's just argh, all over the place, that document, that history may not be all that relevant to you. Um, you know, you get an, uh, an older, wiser one that shows you why it's relevant, then you get a whole other storytelling experience going on. Yeah. And I think that's the dichotomy of werewolf, you know, this idea of like the spiritual elements that are, that are, that 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 level of culture is so important and then the we must take action now right and there's such a is it already too late right is it already too late it's such such a good question when will you rage is such a good question because it spurs you on to deciding if you're going to take action right then and there or if you're going to contemplate your action before you take it and the garu are not known for their contemplation (laughs) No, no. And that's, that's, again, I I think that's one of the things we were trying to come across with the glyphs is that it's, it's something that is not, um, except for things like maybe the, the silver record things where, uh, obviously, um, the, the process of, of, of transcribing it and process of putting it into that language was not all that different than, than what we were doing to make the book. You know, there'd have to be some guru who were seriously, you know, oh, this is this is a thing, and, and we're gonna try to make this work for us, and and you know, we're, it's all about making the 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 the, the book. All right. What do we need a book for? Let's go, let's go, you know, jump on a worm. Come on, right? Man. Yeah, and so let's do a, the thing we're supposed to do. From a majority oral culture, the idea of setting things down in a book is almost, you know, antithetical right. to their like cultural like uh, teachings, but. Um, it's also important as a cultural artifact to have that and be like, we did decide, you know, like the, both the apocalyptic record and silver record, like the two books I think are really useful for saying, what if we did take some of our stories and put them down? What sort of things could we learn from that? What sort of things could we get out of Mm -hmm. that that we're not getting out of our oral culture? Yeah. Well, I know, you know, and with any oral culture, you know, you have to be willing to listen. Mm -hmm. You know, you have all the greatest uh, storyteller in the world sitting around that fire with you. And if you're going, come on, it's almost uh, moonrise. We got to go jump on this thing. Just get it over with so we can fight. Come on. This is the important thing. Um, that's a, it is. It's a great dichotomy. It's a, it's a great way to play it. But I think it also it resonates with a lot of people. Like, you know, at what point, the, you know, do you act? Um, uh, what point do you contemplate? And at what point? Do you see yourself as someone who who goes and does things versus someone who records, uh, thinks about it, uses the examples to do a better battle plan? Because, you know, hey, it it says right here in this one written down thing that when they the last time that was tried, you know, the the war party was wiped out. Right. 
And do we want to replicate that or do we want to do it differently so we don't lose right. this time? So you can see why their moots are just filled with a whole bunch of yelling. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get rage monsters in a place and then tell them Argue to like, the hell out, out of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, kind of like a staff meeting, really. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, uh, I'm going to change topics completely. There's a, sure. a couple of books that are on Kickstarter right now. I don't know if we're going to make it out before um, they ca- uh, they came from Classified uh, is, is over. But if we don't, can you tell folks about those books that are on Kickstarter right now? Sure. Um, so uh, we, we have actually two books, two books. Uh, uh, main rule books up on uh, Kickstarter right now is they sort of, because they're inspired by movies and television stuff, we're calling it a double feature, Kickstarter double feature. And it is uh, in our, they came from line. Um, they came from classified, um, big stamped letters for classified. Um, and that is, I'd say probably fifties to seventies, sixties, seventies spy, um, uh, television and movies, uh, Man from Uncle, uh, the the uh, the the guy who likes the martinis uh, stirred, not shaken, mm-hmm. um, the Matt Helm, um, uh, and Austin Powers is a a perfect example of of someone who also looked at the at all these things and um, with all that they came from a game. Uh, you you get the opportunity to sort of be involved in it on multiple levels. It's a, the, 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 they came from has a lot of meta play in it in the sense of not rules so much as this is you, you're aware, you you can you could be just playing like you're you're a spy in a funky sixties baby uh, kind of you know adventure uh, going on into the uh, the volcano layer of uh, Dr. Mortis or whatever, Um, you could be an actor performing in it um, and you can make comments about that. But also as a player, you're aware of the fact that you have options that are very much about making funny comments during the the, the game uh, and whether that's strictly strictly like um, something like uh, you know Connery would say is his bond or, or you know the raised eyebrow of Roger Moore or uh, or like Arnold stick around you know those kind of like quips that get thrown out they've become a thing in, that our characters say but they also you know as players you're aware that you're going to get some, some gaming bonuses and some uh, pluses to, to some things. If you do a good one and the table really gets a good laugh, right? So um, we provide those. And then there's cinematics, which are things like um, my favorite is, you know, you're in, you're in the situation, you're down the end of the, of the dead end card or all the goons are coming with their machine guns. They're all aimed at you. And the, the, over the loudspeaker, you hear the arch evil guy say, prepare to fire three, two. And at that point, everything, goes black and you you come back and, and your whole group is sitting in like a, a the casino going can't believe how we that we got out of that that's amazing and the 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 cinematic for that is a missing reel mm-hmm. there's, there's, a, there's a whole section that didn't exist and you throw down your missing reel thing and you get out of the problem uh, because you know no one knows how you got out of the problem but you did it's just in the missing reel uh, and, and that's kind of what uh, 
whether they came from things can do. You can play it completely straight. Like uh, I know Matthew uh, Dawkins, who is uh, the main developer for and creator of They Came From, um, he has played They Came From uh, Beyond the Grave, which is our, our uh, Hammer, 60s and 70s Hammer film and, uh, and Roger Corman film uh, game that, that came out before these two books. And he's played it straight. He's played completely a horror game. Just boop. Um, so you can you can dispense with a lot of the, the, the funny fun and uh, and move into something a little more, you know, uh, classically tabletop RPG oriented. Uh, and the second book for the for the Kickstarter is um, they came from the Cyclops cave and that is fantasy. Um, and it is fantasy uh, from the Steve Reeves black and white uh, Hercules movies, the the, the what's it called, the Sand and Sandals or Swords and Sandals, Swords and Sandals, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, to um, to all the way through the the, the Harryhausen movies, uh, the Ray Harryhausen movies, like uh, the Sinbad movies, the Golden Voyages, Sinbad things that with all the stop motion, uh, Jason and the Argonauts with the stop motion skeletons that. that uh, everybody loves um and then uh all the way up to hercules and xena or uh the 80s uh movies like crawl and sword and the sorcerer and even uh conan um could have all that stuff is is relevant and it's the first time that we put spell casting um even though it's a very it's a very uh they came from system but we put spell casting into one of the story path games so it's a it's an opportunity to see how we might do things if we go a little more into the fantasy realm with uh, with some story path games. It would be really neat, just as an uh, like as a fan to say a, a story path fantasy game would be cool. Like I know the Scarred Lands would be interesting to make as a story path system. I'm just you know, there's, just saying. Um. There's some stuff, yeah. There's definitely <laughs> some stuff. I think there's a couple of genres that we uh, we've danced around a little bit. We've gotten our feet wet a little bit. Just, uh, and that's one of the nice things about doing they came they came from games is that you don't have to dive in with oh this is a nine year campaign, uh, and we got we, we've provided you with all this stuff to do that with. There, you can keep playing it. You can go. We're making a movie, you know, air quotes movie, guys. So this is we're going to play for like however long it takes us to finalize this story. Um, and if you're doing television shows, you, you, do you want to keep playing? We'll play the next, you know, the next week on mm-hmm. our game, you know. Um, but the Kickstarter is going, it's going okay. It's uh, it's it's uh, something we'd love more people to check out and, and have fun with. Uh, you do not have to back for both books. Um, it, there's all kinds of options for how you can get them, including just, you know, just uh, the PDFs or, or pledge for the PDF. And then if you like more of what you see, um, we're almost down to having distributed out to all the backers the full text. So we're very close, and and it's over next. So f- while we're saying this, over next Thursday, um, and we, uh, I will say, if folks miss the Kickstarter, we're talking about it. We're getting you excited about it, and you're interested in in finding it. Backer kit is always yep. an option, and these will, I'm sure, Rich be out on backer kit at some Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Um, so if that's, you know, something that you've missed the Kickstarter, you can still find it on backer kit in the future. Um, and if you don't find it, then you can find it on drive through RPG. If you're listening to this years from now. Um, so, yeah, but, but if you go into conventions and you're anywhere near people playing our games, if you hear a table, that's just ridiculously loud and laughing and people falling out of their seats to just having a, just 
such a blast. The odds are they're playing whenever they came from. We see that over and over and over again. Um, that it's, I mean, it's, it's to the level of, you know, we go, okay, everybody calm down. Can we get a separate room for just these guys so, uh, so they're not disturbing people because they're just having so much fun. Um, so even as a, even as a, just a break from, you know, the, your soul crushing, when will we rage, uh, the, the worm is winning sort of scenarios. Uh, you know, it, these are, these are great ones to remind us of all the fun um media that we just you know the goddess where we are it, it, it informs our creativity when we play the 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 longer term and the and the more uh the more serious the more uh um you know uh, uh i don't want to say engaging because they came from really engaging but the ones where you're writing up 17 you know pages for your character's backstory and right. you know you, you realize that you, something significant has occurred in your life because you've been playing this character it could happen where they came from. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a little less but likely, it, but it could. Happen, but yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> gotcha. It's funny because one of my players who I love, if you're listening to this, I love you, uh, wrote up a, about a 50 to 60,000 word uh, uh, document for their downtime that we have in the game for our uh, World of Rage game uh, that is for my patrons. And I will say, their writing is good, so it makes it enjoyable to read. Right. Uh, yep. You know, which but when you get into your character that bad, sometimes that happens. Um, maybe he'll, yeah, you know, take fantastic. some silver record stuff and make some glyph stuff there for you it go. too. Um, there you go. All right, Rich, uh, I'm going to wrap things up. I, I want to thank you for coming. Uh, I really appreciate you talking about everything with us. And um, if folks want to find you, uh, what's the best place for them to find you on the internet? Oh, you know, I, I bob and weave and dodge and try to avoid even using my real name anymore. Uh, but uh, the, the easiest one is rich T at the onyxpath.com, just email. Uh, but it, uh, I'm also every single Monday, uh, I write the blog we were talking about. Uh, that is a rundown of what we're up to. It's a snapshot of where we are right, th- right then. Um, we'll, t- we'll, uh, let you know where projects are like you know has uh, anything moved from editing to post editing development or from uh, art direction to layout or whatever um, and uh, and talk about various issues uh, that we might be seeing or uh, what are what are fun things that are happening if there's any sales going on things like that and it's every Monday and uh, I answer the comment section um, all, all through the week um, if someone posts Monday morning, sometimes I don't get to it because I'm already on to the new blog. But uh, but uh, other than that, uh, it's, it's I I have no problem talking with people, having a dialogue, and uh, and just uh, just basically you know chatting about the stuff that we love. Absolutely, cool. Well, until we finally get an answer to the question of when will you rage, we'll <laughs> talk to you again next time.